Welcome citizens, you're listening to New Amsterdam Radio, the podcast for creatives. Here, thinkers and doers always have a key to the city. The mayor is in, so office hours start now. New Amsterdam Radio starts now. The mayor's in the, the mayor's office, as always, burning the midnight oil. It's kind of late here as the episode goes out live to each and every single one of you. This podcast, New Amsterdam Radio, it's a part of the New Amsterdam Entertainment Network. Learn more at newamsterdam.com. So, Flobo Voice here, hanging out. We're rolling into the month of May, which is kind of not noteworthy. But after that is the month of June, and that's my birthday month. I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to celebrate. Uh, well, it's kind of a advice for you out there, whatever your creative project may be. Find some time and a new way to celebrate the keep celebrations was part of your building of your brand or your reputation, but also a way to put the cart before the horse sometimes. Sometimes a project becomes difficult. You want to be able uh, to have you keep going. But my guest this week is someone that keeps it going, not only for herself, but for her clients. Jasmine Designs, aka your pricing queen, has done a lot to help other creators figure out how much they're worth. Or the projects. <laughs> Being able to chat with a talent working halfway around the world as I do this show from Los Angeles, California, Jasmine lives in Australia. So it's kind of cool to see her perspective and her experience with her clients and what it means for her. So without any further ado, here's my chat with Jasmine Design. Welcome back to New Amsterdam Radio, the podcast for creatives. It is I, the mayor, football voice in the mayor's office, talking with thinkers and doers and creatives. Now, my guest today comes all the way, or it was close for her, she is from, but all the way across the planet in Australia to talk to me about pricing. Please welcome your pricing queen, Jasmine Designs. How's it going? Oh, it is going fantastic. The crowd goes mild. Absolutely. So excited. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The, 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 I, look, I, I'm festive for those on the audio version. I'm actually wearing my Melbourne City jersey. I figure I'd try to get myself in there on Dr. D with all the Australian culture. What do you think? Yeah, I like it. Uh, give us a, a, a good day and you're, you're set. <laughs> is it kind of like when Americans are like, hey, man, do you have cheeseburgers and hot dogs? It's like so offensively. I'm just like, I have a jersey from Australia. Please respect me. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be really my, me, like me saying to you, so y'all, uh, uh, <laughs> we do that, we do that. Now. How them Yankees, uh, just let's genericize, shall we? I'm totally a Mets fan, but how dare you? Okay, so let's talk about this. <laughs> uh, so you do a lot, and I think it's so cool. We're talking about Brandon in just a second. Now, when you're at a party and someone's like, so what do you do? How do you go about describing specifically how what you do? Well, the beauty of uh, being someone who is so intrinsically linked to their own brand, I find that uh, I've pretty much got a elevator pitch down. So it ends up going a little something like this. Hi, I'm Jazz. I'm the design superwoman. I fly in, fix my clients' problems and fly away till they need me again. Kind of like a super secret weapon in their back pocket. And after 14 years, I thought, you know what? Why don't I teach the masses? So now I am the pricing queen and I help creatives, designers and freelancers bake more profit into their creative crust, charge dough for what they do and find out what their value is so they can charge accordingly. Absolutely flawless. That was cool. <laughs> <laughs> that was oh, that was on point. I love that. 
Oh, you know, the, uh, the beauty of it is that I've got a bit of a background in musical theatre. So from a very young age, I was always very aware of the words I used and the way that I used them. And, you know, I actually used to be a Lady Gaga impersonator yeah, during her poker face era. But yeah. you know, performing for musical theatre and performing for an audience is very similar for, to the teaching process as well as the working with clients process because all the audience wants you to do is succeed. And if you can turn up, show up, do the best and succeed in your own way, then that's all that matters. Well, I definitely hear the rhythm in, in your pitch, but you just can't just drop the fact that you're a Lady Gaga impersonator and just move on. How'd you go Sorry, into I that? Oh, I can pick that back up, back up if you was like. It a, was it like, a, oh, I'm here to like sign an Oh, I'm actually going to be Lady Gaga. Okay. Like, well, how'd that happen? <laughs> it kind of happened uh, as most things do. You just kind of fall into it and then just keep the motion going. Um, I, from my singing teacher when I was uh, in high school, she ended up creating a theatre group and a um, kind of a, a place that would like, uh, look at uh, hiring out performers for events. And there was yeah. one day where they were like, oh, this local radio station needs a Lady Gaga performer. Can you <laughs> jump into the blue... Uh, if you remember the early days of Lady Gaga, she had the, the blue swimsuit. Yeah. yeah, that one. That one most definitely. Wow. And uh, yeah, jumped into the swimsuit, performed and sang as her for a, a couple of nights in a couple of different places. And then it's now a, a cornerstone of my performance uh, history. But uh, yeah, here yeah. we are, mm, let's say 15, 16 years later right. uh, at the right age of 32, now teaching pricing to designers. And it feels very different to a Lady Gaga book. Yeah, well, hey, man, we all have these chapters. I worked a pallet jack in the back of a Target, but it's it's but it's great because it's part of our story and how we got to where we are today. Uh, I I totally want to dive into the idea and concept of pricing, but first, the first thing I noticed about you and I don't want to say brand, but how you present yourself is we are a washed in teal, as you can tell in my background. I try to do teal in solidarity. Why teal? Why the color? How does it speak to you? How do you use that for your business? There's a couple of elements to it. First is that, you know, when you're younger and people say, what's your favorite color? Everyone will say their favorite color. But a friend of mine once told me, you don't have a favorite color. You tell the people the color of your soul. And teal is the color of my soul. If you were Ooh. to cut me, I bleed teal. It's just always been a color for me that I've really resonated with to yeah. the point that I know exactly the dye that I need to go and pick up from the local craft store so that I can dye, color, dye my clothes to that particular color. Yeah. Which brings me to the second point, which is um, there's a thing called chromatic dressing. And it is that if you surround yourself or dress in the colors that make you feel the most powerful, the most confident and the most strong, then you're going to be the most confident and the most strong that you can be. And teal is that color for me. So I figure if I surround myself with it as much as possible, keeping in mind that if I do it too much, I'm going to end up like that Simpsons gif where he's like <laughs> seeping into the, to the hedge and just right. becomes one with it. Right. But, um, you know, pops of mustard, pops of navy and pops of all the other kind of bits and pieces and colors that are important to my brand. Yeah. But yeah, it helps me believe in myself and my brand. And if I believe in it, then I'm going to have a lot more success for convincing my clients and my students to believe in it too. 
Yeah, let's talk about confidence. You know, I, I like the idea of being a creative. That's a term I try to shy away from, not because I didn't believe in that. I just felt like creatives were some people over there. Um, and I realized I'm a creative person too. But one of the things I do struggle with, and a lot of people who listen to the show struggle with, is really valuing their worth when it comes to clients. I mean, we started off at zero. Sometimes we kind of think of the original days of being trash or whatever we're doing and come <laughs> and coming up with a price for anything is kind of difficult. What's been your approach? Well, realistically, I want to kind of touch on the first part that you said of I truly believe that a creative is anyone who solves a problem in a non-traditional way. Oh. It doesn't matter if you pick up a brush or if you pick up a pen or even if you pick up a mouse and do a killer spreadsheet, you are solving a problem in a creative way and that's different from the non-traditional, oh, sorry, different from the traditional or the norm. So anyone can be a creative, it just depends on what flavor. Mm. And when it comes to pricing, I actually don't believe we all start from zero. I think we all, I think we all start from something and okay. it doesn't matter if you've gone to art school or if you took a school holiday program, or if you have been going at it for 14 years, or if you've been going at it for 14 minutes, as long as you can start and keep that movement going, you're going to grow value with every single step that you kind of take and it doesn't necessarily have to be in the same linear path because I can tell you right now, yeah. my path was anything but linear. Yeah, for sure. That's what makes it so awesome having those zigs and zags. But you mentioned the idea though of like not starting from zero and I understand that now. Thank you so much. Uh, but for some reason, there's that challenge of like, hey, uh, the quote of this this project, We all, at least I at first started struggling with just saying, I think I'm worth this much. This is what I do. This is my expertise. We kind of forget about those years and months working on something when it comes down to really put a price on it. Mm, most definitely. And if I think there's a kind of a couple of different things that you need to take into consideration when it looks at your pricing or the price that you put, the dollar mm -hmm. value that you put on your skills, expertise, the output of what you're doing. So the first would be the structure. So making sure that you are covering your expenses, making sure that you're covering a salary that you think kind of matches what you're doing and also covers not only just the hours that you're working, but gives you space to have hours that you're not working because, mm -hmm. you know, those actually do happen in most people's lives. Um, <laughs> the other, the, the second part would be the strategy. So is the way that you're approaching pricing trying to penetrate a market? Is it trying to differentiate from a market by being the higher price item or the more expensive or affluent kind of trying to achieve to that level of status? And then the third one is the value of the solve. So creativity and especially in the freelance space mm -hmm. is all about solving problems. And so what is actually the value of what you're solving and if it didn't exist anymore, if that problem didn't exist, how value would that, valuable would that be to the either the client or the end consumer? Now, that problem can be as simple as we don't have a logo um, or I don't have a dress to wear to somewhere all the yep. way up to I don't have a strategy to approach my ideal customer with my product. So looking at the value of the solve is really important as the third kind of dish of this degustation. Right. Absolutely. Uh, it's interesting because we kind of get nervous about like 
all the different factors out of our control. You're saying, look, there's a focus to that, which I appreciate. Uh, you come with tremendous expertise. Uh, I got to be, you know, that guy and ask, why not keep all that knowledge for yourself? Why, why share the game? Why go out there and help out potential clients with their own ways, their own passive pricing? Because I truly believe that the more, that there's two things that are self-generating factors within our existence, knowledge and gratitude. The more you share, the more you get back. The more that's put out there, the more it is created. It's not something like, what does anyone gain by holding that in? Like, mm -hmm. you know, you've got your secrets and you're able to have your own clients, but then what if someone goes and underprices and then you lose a client because they didn't know better? Right. That's not going to be helpful. The other part is that my dad brought me up on the sentence of you need to be big enough to serve someone, but small enough to know them. You need mm. to be able to share and connect. And once you've gotten to a certain stage in your life or a certain stage in any process whatsoever, throw the hand back, bring someone forward so that it can be bigger than just you. Because quite honestly, if you achieve everything that you set out to do, but you've got no one up there to celebrate it with, it's an empty succession and it's an empty achievement. Wow. Entrepreneurship, was that always the goal in life? Did you fall into it? Was it a, a particular moment where you go, oh, I'm jumping off and doing my own thing? So I actually had grand plans of creating my own studio when I was at TAFE. Uh, TAFE would be like your alternative to um, university or college. It was more of a technical learning area. Okay. So I remember catching the bus to my studies every single day and I would drive, it, the bus would drive past this little, like little studio and it had a yellow door and it was always stuck with me because I always wanted to be having a studio one day, which is called Tidy Designs, T-Y-D, the yellow door. Mm. It was always just this little thing that I saw. And I had these grand plans of, you know, once I know enough, then I can create my studio. I then went into a design career that had lots of different paths from real estate marketing, uh, working in print houses, in signage houses, mm -hmm. uh, working on aged care and retirement living. That one's a thrill. Um, <laughs> <laughs> as well as doing like hospitality marketing and basically trying to get uh, my design palette as large as it could be so that I could try all the things and see if I liked them. Right. I then got to a point where I was like, okay, you're at a crossroads. You're not liking where you're working as a design studio. The studio was toxic and I just was not loving being there. Sure. I had the opportunity to jump into a role, which was three days a week. And then I could start building my own business on the side. So kind of having the, almost a gap year into freelance, yeah. which was, you know, fantastic. Um, and I used that kind of gap year to build up the business. Once I went full-time freelance, I had to get realistic with myself and say, well, you know, you know, when you first kind of jump and for those who have, or those who are about to, I'm pretty sure that this question has crossed your mind mm -hmm. or this statement has crossed your mind of if I don't make as much as I was making when I was full-time employed, right. it's not worth it. It's uh, I've failed. If I'm not making enough, I'm failing. It's not true because most businesses aren't actually profitable for the first year or two. And those are ones that have massive overheads, that have massive expenses to set up. All you need is the tools to create, whatever it is that you're creating, 
the ability to you know, move and shift with different situations and a starting pistol because you need to get running fast. Yeah. And, that, and it's an opportunity that you need to basically create for yourself. I then started building up on the idea of ramen profitability. You make as much as you can to cover your bills and whatever's left over is for ramen, for cheap, cheap food that you can just live off of. I lived on ramen profitability concept for the first year and then built and then built and then yeah. built. And this has been seven or eight years now that I've been building this freelance career, which I can now proudly say generates a six figure income, like consistently year on yeah. year, year on year. And for me, it's really important that I then share that capability with others to be able to do it for themselves as well, because I know how it feels being in those early times in these early years going, I don't know if this is ever going to work. So you are a profitable enterprise. And I feel like there's a bit of a gap though. When, when someone decides to go into business for themselves, especially for creatives, they say, oh, look, I'm good at this. But there is that little aspect or big aspect, excuse me, of treating yourself like you are that corporation, that business, that, um, that whatever. Uh, what has been your experience of that? Was that had its own growing pains? Was it relatively smooth? Did you have a network to rely on? Look, I feel like it's been something that um, – as you're building your career, whether it be creative or other, you develop calluses. You develop the calluses in the spots that you get <laughs> right. uh, worn down or knocked around with and you get stronger. And the thing to keep in mind is a any hit is going to turn into a stronger spot. So it means that you're going to come back better and better and better. Was it a hard slog? Absolutely. Because the person I was competing with myself was uh, competing with was myself. I was going, okay, did you do better than last year? Great. Cool. Did you do better than last year? No. Okay. What are we going to change? So it's about being that versatility, that that versatile um, creative and using that entrepreneurial spirit to keep driving and keep propelling you to the next and the next and understanding that sometimes failure is a blueprint for how to succeed next time. Before we went live, we're talking about your love of food. Do you have a favorite yes. food segment? Like, cause I'm a fried dough connoisseur. If you could deep fried dough, donuts, churros, I'm all about it. Do you have something similar? Wow. So please tell me that you would have ventured uh, north of where you are to the wonderful place that is Banff in Canada. Um, they do a beaver tail. And if you haven't had a beaver tail yet, you no, have not I... tried f- fried dough, my friend. Oh, my <laughs> God. Oh. I had no idea this existed. That actual beaver yeah. tail, I hope. Yeah. Um, my favorite food is breakfast food. I am basically... Um, I'm basically Ron Swanson, really. Um, I love all kinds of breakfast food, but my favorite is breakfast cheese. Stick with me here. I love okay. a halloumi. I love like a saganaki, a, a halloumi, uh, a feta, anything that you can integrate with like a bougie kind of like breakfast. Okay. Yeah. And it's setting you up for the success of the day. When you have a good breakfast, you know everything's going to be all right. Yeah. Are you a breakfast with dinner person as well or no? Absolutely not. (laughs) (laughs) The strict rules. I had no. I'm sorry to put you. (laughs) Not at all. No. I feel like, you know, if you can, I. 
I've never been a cereal for dinner kind of person either. It's never been like a, that's that they're the different times, the different segments. And the, at the end of the day, breakfast isn't a celebrated meal for an end of the day. It's a, well, I didn't have anything else to cook, so I'm just going to have cereal. It has a different connotation and it it's, has a different feel. Whereas breakfast in the morning, it's like, huh, I've got time to spend with myself. Wow, that's yeah. I never thought of it that way. That's, that's perception for sure. I'll be honest with you. I didn't think of it that way uh, until about three to four <laughs> seconds before you asked me. Uh, <laughs> hey, entrepreneurship is thinking on your feet, so we're props. Yeah, <laughs> props. Yeah, that. perfect. Uh, what does a day off look like for you or, or your company? Cute. <laughs> a day off. <laughs> yeah, you know, a day off. We do nothing, nothing at all. Yeah, I don't actually probably understand quite what that looks like because it's actually been a really long time since I've had one. Um, A day off of client work specifically means that I have opportunity to work on my own stuff. So say, for instance, we're about to go, if you're listening in the future, us in the past here are about to go into an Easter long weekend. My Easter long weekend looks like loading a whole heap of audio content that I've recorded for like a secret mini podcast um, into Premiere Pro, um, editing, having some fun with that and setting up a five-day raise your rate challenge that I can basically help other creatives raise their rates and value themselves more. That's what a day off looks like for me, indulging in my own stuff. No, that, but that's in, that's choosing me and right. a day off is choosing yourself, whatever makes you happy. I feel like sometimes some people go, oh, well, how can you relax and do your own stuff? I'm like, doing my own stuff is relaxing because it means that it's ticked off of my list, but I'm not choosing me over my clients in that moment. I'm choosing myself. So you bring a laptop on vacations, what you're saying? I'm trying not to. <laughs> So you do. Oh, no, oh yeah. Uh, I'm so sorry. How do you <laughs> refill the cup, right? You're, you work all the time. You could be exhausted. How do you get yourself back centered to keep on going? I take stock of what's important. I take the moments that are there as the, the gift that they are. And I basically reframe constantly. Okay. So if I... If I'm wanting to refill my cup, I might say, okay, this Friday I'm going to work until three, four o'clock and then I'm going to go for a walk with the dog. Mm. Or this weekend I'm going to try and cook something new. And when I'm cooking or creating in a different way, it makes me feel like I'm refilling my cup in that way. Um, I also like to create lists upon lists and let them be future me's problem because it's out of my head. Right. Wow, that's that's actually pretty healthy. I should probably write that down. <laughs> I just kind of go in my bed and go, oh my gosh, life is so hard. But that what you did was way, way more productive. <laughs> theoretically, yes. Yeah, theoretically. Uh, so I, we, there's there's other ways that you can help your clients. You can catch a contact you directly. Uh, we'll talk about some things you're working on. But I always wondered, uh, someone that basically made your brand happen from scratch, what's the best way? to contact you are you email person you like text messages like pressing flesh and, and in the flesh what's your vibe so i am a bit of a, a hybrid in that i believe that all business communications should exist in a well-documented email 
I mm-hmm. really, whenever I have uh, DMs or Instagram or um, Facebook messages, I try to drive that kind of conversation back into an email because realistically that's where I'm going to be able to be the best business person that I can be. Um, when it comes to the version of the business communications that isn't email, it's generally WhatsApp. And that's mainly because it just makes it simpler for like separating those out and not getting confused with the social aspect because we're allowed to have social lives as entrepreneurs as well. Um, But the reason why I kind of do that is because it's not only reminding them, but it's reminding me that this is a business and therefore stops me from going, oh, oh, this is just doing something for a friend. I'm going to feel guilty about charging for it. Right. So let's, let's, that is something that I've also dealt with, but a lot of people have come to me and they said, wow, you're having someone on your show can really help me understand uh, the importance of pricing, the importance of putting value into work. And you have tools available now that people can actually assess to get themselves a bit of a primer when it comes to that. Yeah, definitely. So I really truly believe that if you have started looking for, Uh, things to help you with your pricing, you're already more valuable than the person who isn't looking. So straight away, I beg of you, dearest creative freelancer, whatever you do, do not discount yourself before you've given the client a chance to do so themselves. Like that's really, really probably one of the biggest things that um, I have found is that even especially when you're starting out, you'll sit there and go, oh, I'm already starting. I'm only starting out. I should charge a fraction of what the market rate is. Well, when you do that, you put up a big red flag that basically says, hey, hire me because I'm cheap. Mm. That ain't going to help you. That ain't going to help you. It doesn't. So um, for the last year, um, I have been developing different resources. We've literally right now, uh, about to enter the final week of the easiest pie pricing coaching course that I run, where I've been helping some freelancers across the world uh, basically build their business from a pricing aspect. So looking at like hourly and project and value-based rates, as well as how to position themselves in the market, how to use sales, how to look at after sales and negotiation, as well as making sure that their businesses are legally and contractually legit. So We just finished up the 12-week coaching course, uh, just about to finish up the 12-week coaching course. But I also have like other resources, including an online pricing calculator that helps you calculate the value of your time, as well as resources like the Bake Your Own Brief Builder, the um, email recipe bases, which is really good for when you've got to write an email, but you've got no idea what you actually want to write to them, which definitely happens. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, As well as the client onboarding kit, which helps you set boundaries, set expectations and kick off a client relationship from day dot. And you can actually access that pricing calculator at easyaspiepricing.com slash New Amsterdam. Don't forget the K at New Amsterdam, uh, which I appreciate uh, you sharing it with our listeners on, on this episode. Absolutely, because the pricing is a pie worth sharing. Oh, I get it. I totally get it now. That's genius. Okay. So, uh, 2021 was in the past. 2022 is now. Uh, thoughts about the next six months, year and a half thereafter. We are kind of getting out of this pandemic thing. How do you plan about growing the business, the brand, all that jazz? 
Do you see what you did there? All that jazz? Did you see what you did there? That's right, everyone. The mayor made his own pun. He doesn't no. hate puns anymore, guys. No. Mm. So the next six months looks like this. Probably even the next year. Over the next year, I want to help over 100 freelancers get more profitable, whether that be through the resources that I have on my website, whether it be through the group coaching that I offer, as well as one-on-one coaching that I offer. I want to share as much of this pie as possible because realistically, it's kind of baked for the person that I was way back when I had first gone freelance, when I was living off ramen, where I was sitting there going, well, how do I even price myself? All of my resources are baked for that person. And I'm sure that that person exists out there. So if you want help with your pricing, if you need a pricing queen to help you direct you in the right direction and not just point you and push you there, but actually help you and show you what you can be building on and how you can be reframing and approaching pricing so that it's not a guilty feeling. Mm -hmm. I'm right here. So I'm at, on Instagram, you can find me at your pricing queen. So if you like pies, puns, and pricing, you'll probably fit right in. Just curious, favorite flavor of ramen? Oh, no, I don't have one. I, I, I'll just, I'll go on, I'll go on. I accept, I can't do a spice. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm very white. I've got, I've, I've got white girl palette. I, I, I have a, I have a Trinidadian partner who like used to sneak chili into foods just to try and get some kind of semblance of tolerance, but it just yeah. doesn't work. Oh yeah. Well, I like soy sauce flavor. No, no spice it. above. Yeah. No spice yeah, above. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> Jasmine Design, so glad you're on the show. Uh, new Amsterdam Rate Up. Someone want to contact you, hit you up for more resources. How'd they go about doing that? Yeah, so there's a couple of places you can find me. I'm most active on Instagram. So again, that's your pricing queen on Instagram. You can also find me at easyaspiepricing.com and there's heaps of resources that you can digest at your leisure. I definitely want to go research the top tiers of ramen flavors. This is New Amsterdam Radio, the podcast for creatives. Hey, before you go, just want to say my book, Graduation Day, Life Lessons from the Real World, is now available on Amazon. You know, the concept of the book comes from when I graduated college and I wasn't impressed about my commencement speaker and what he had to say. And I said, I had some life experiences. Let me go back in time to a proverbial time machine and tell younger me things I learned as an adult. I share stories about the time where I almost died riding a motorcycle or the time where I had no money but decided to do a wedding in Italy, DJ a wedding in Italy to save my business and much, much more. Graduation Day, Life Lessons from the Real World is available on Amazon. Just look for me at Global Voice. so much for listening to New Amsterdam Radio. Learn more about the show at newamsterdam.com. That's K-N-E-W Amsterdam.com. Until next time, this city is yours. <laughs>